Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR. We have got a lot to talk about going on in the Big Ten. Uh, it is the two-man episode, the double team, as you might call it, the uh, two-man press, as you might call it, whatever you want to call it in this situation. It's me and Kent, casual Big Ten, coming at you today with all the weekend recaps of everything going on. Kent, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. I am ready to two-man storm the court tonight. That's what I'm ready to do. And I don't care. I don't care who's in our way, Jr. We will. We are storming the court. Doesn't matter who it is. Caitlin Clark, Filipowski, or however you say his name. We are coming on the court tonight. That's what we're going to do. Just me and you. Let's do it. What if you get tripped? Oh man, we're gonna have problems. We're gonna have problems. I'm gonna cry about it, and then I'm gonna ask for changes to be made across college basketball if I get tripped. I'm gonna be upset. Will will you ask for all of college basketball media to treat you as if you are the most important and precious thing out there and demand that the entire sport changes, even something that's great about the sport changes just because of your feelings? I will. I will. If I get tripped, I'm going to ask everybody to do that for me. I'm going to ask everybody to be on my team. I'm the most important person in podcasting. We all know this. Yeah, well, of course. So if if the most important person in podcasting gets tripped and like, what if something happened to my neck or my throat, you know, and I can't talk anymore? Yeah. What would what would the Big Ten world do without this voice? I mean, um, I mean, wholesale changes would have to be made. And I would request that every media member be on my side with that. And I, I expect them to do that as well. And I think they will. I think they will. I'd be on, I'd be on your side, Kent. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> we didn't even have that written down today. This The no. story stuff. We got we to gotta mention it, though. We got to mention yeah, it. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, we had some people early in the chat here. Dave was with us saying, struggling on the road. That's been the golden gopher basketball tradition for a long time. Longer than I would like to admit. And they had only one winning record. That was 97. Dave, I can tell you today. With absolute certainty, there is hope because my team set a record for the most <laughs> road losses this season. By golly, we broke that record tonight. Thank the Lord. I know Fisherman's happy about it. Fisherman, let's go. Let's go. Sunday's a great day. Uh, we're, we're all ecstatic about it here for the, for the Buckeyes. And I don't think we have any Michigan State fans in the chat right now. So everybody here is excited about it. If you are a Michigan State fan, I'm sorry. Please let us know. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fun day. So Michigan uh, State also- fans aren't consuming any, any sort of media this evening. No. They, went, they went straight to bed after that game. There's no doubt. They, they stormed the bed. <laughs> yeah that's exactly what they did they stormed their bedrooms <laughs> i almost said i almost said uh reverse court storm after that game when oh, the like, entire ohio state bench ran onto the court it was oh dude i wish you would have texted me that one i would have for sure tweeted that out reverse court storm everyone's anyone everyone's heading for this turnstiles yeah, right now everybody goes the other way yeah um dave also said wow michigan state has now lost two home games does this hurt their chances to make the ncaa tournament i have some thoughts on that we're going to talk about that when we get to the game we also have uh alibaba here gophers looked elite against ohio state at home yes they did they were pathetic and lethargic on the road against nebraska this team is really struggling on the road all year frustrating the thing i will say about that is like everybody has looked that way at nebraska like Nebraska just has this way of like just destroying you on like when when you come into their house and try to try to battle with them. So uh, I, I do feel for you, Gopher fans. But at the end of the day, like Purdue also lost there. 
you know, like, right. and they got blown out. It wasn't like a close game. They got blown out. So uh, I, I wouldn't come down on your team as like the worst thing in the world, losing at Nebraska. I know that's easy for me to say, uh, but we, we played terrible against Minnesota and I lived through it. So <laughs> I think what, I think what his point is though, is that it's now the time of year where you can't do that anymore because the, the microscope is on everybody who's on the bubble. So like when, when it happens at this time of the year, which like Minnesota, like Joe Lenardi doesn't even have them on the bubble, which is outrageous because I think that they should have been at this point. But um, just because of the timing of which it happened and they needed it so badly, it just sucks to see them not go out there and play a little bit better than they did tonight. I think that's yeah. what he was trying to say a little bit more. I don't know. I'm speaking oh, yeah, for, for sure. him. I'm talking for, sure. for him. For sure. I mean, I don't get me wrong. It's frustrating. Um, but I'm just saying like, it's Nebraska this season. Like yeah. nobody, nobody wins there other than Creighton early on. This, that was it. Uh, Fisherman, Michigan State still in though. I, I, yeah, we'll talk about that when we get a little bit further in. Uh, if Michigan had managed to pull off the win against Purdue, they couldn't. Have, well. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That is funny. Well, yeah, if you watch that game, so many Purdue fans were cheering the entire game. I know. Um, I said it felt like a high school game because there were still Michigan fans there. Obviously there should be, it's a Michigan game, but there was like, it was like half and half. So like anytime, like there was a bucket, people were cheering. It was like a high school game. Like the, the team down the, the, across the city or whatever, down the street came and it was like a road game, but it wasn't that far away. (laughs) Realistically, it was like a full state away and they had to travel a long way to get that many fans. There was ridiculous, but I thought it was a pretty cool atmosphere to have that many fans for both teams there. I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, that wasn't pretty cool, but I thought it was cool to watch. Well, and I, mean, I, I heard Michigan fans on Twitter like, is this is this really the status of our program? Like, is this really yes. what it is? And it's like, when you have Jawan Howard as your coach, it is. Like, everybody should be writing letters to Ward Manuel to get rid of Jawan Howard as soon as possible. Like, I know... I've had people say, and I've had people tell me that the plan is to keep Juwan Howard and to fire Phil uh, Martelli. Like that—that's—that's that's the plan, and it's like that's ridiculous. That's a bad plan <laughs> because the the fans do not support Juwan Howard, I, and I've lived it with Chris Holtman. Like at a certain point, the fans just do not support what is going on, and even if Ward Manuel wants to keep Juwan Howard around, it's like, yeah, yeah. I saw him at the Big Ten tournament in the concourse last year, Ward Manual. He was just walking through yeah. the concourse. I was eating a hot dog. And I was I was thinking, like, if I see him again this year in Minnesota, on behalf of the Big Ten huddle, I'm going to ask him why he has not fired Juwan Howard yet. Do, you, do I have your permission to do that? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Get one of your buddies to, like, film it, and we'll, we'll yeah. play it live on here. All right. Cool. We'll do that. I'm on that. If I see him again, he's not. he better not be there. There's no way he could show face there, right? This year, now, you'll have to be have to get early access there because they're going to play in the first round of games. And <laughs> I'm there. Lose. I'm there for the hey, first round. Does, I'll be there. Does Doug McDaniel play in the first round? Because technically, it's not at home. I think that isn't that suspension over though. The home Is thing it? wasn't that six games. Oh, it was I don't. I have no clue because I they listed him as out for Michigan's last road game. Why are we talking about? No one cares about Michigan, right. dude. Why are we talking about? All that? right, let's go to the we one stink. we got. 
Minnesota <laughs> fans talking about Minnesota. We'll get to you guys in a minute. I'll read these two just before we get going. So uh, that Minnesota Ohio State game was so fun to go. Battle got booed so much. Yes, he did. I remember that. And uh, told the F off by the student section. Yeah, that would man. Minnesota fans hate Jameson Battle. And I don't I don't know if I blame them either. Uh, you spawn on. It's time to round into form. And the Gophers did not. They are going to be on the outside looking in come selection Sunday. Uh, mm. They probably are. But I was picked last place in the Big Ten. Like, yeah. And, and and you have, what, a winning record, close to a winning record in the Big Ten? I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to tell Minnesota fans how to feel. You guys feel however you want to feel. I, I fully support being upset and demanding more. But Ben Johnson, he's the guy that's going to give you more, I think. He's going to do some really cool things with this program. So, so yeah. yeah. I, would right. be, I would not be disappointed if I was a Gophers fan because, like you said, where they were projected to finish this year. I mean, it stinks that they're getting this close to getting to the NCAA tournament. And if they miss it just by this much, it's going to be like tough to swallow, but it's still been a great year. It's been super fun to watch them other than tonight, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right, let's get into the, Oh shoot. I got all these graphics in here because we were supposed to have a third person tonight, but that didn't work out. All right. Iowa and Illinois. They played on Saturday night. Illinois, 95. Iowa, 85. Uh, Kent, you tell me, do you fully support just taking out your entire team when they aren't playing the way you want them to play, putting in all the backups and just letting the backups basically show the starters what should have been happening the entire game for like the last 10 minutes of the game? Do you fully support that? I've never been, because I've coached before, Not obviously not in the Big Ten, but I've never been a big fan of that. I think that you could probably get your message across just as well with a full timeout and saying like, hey, guys, what are we doing here? Or maybe taking out like the best player and talking to him for a minute while the game is continuing. But I've never been a big fan of it, but I've I've also seen it work before. I just wouldn't recommend doing it for a long period of time because I think that the guys that are in, if they do start to come back a little bit, now they're salty when they all get taken back out. And then you got a bunch of bench guys that are like, why'd we get taken out? We were the ones that got us back in this game. So then you got a little, you got some, that's just how I've seen it happen before. Like just being on benches, but um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think you can get your message across different ways. So I don't know. Do you, did you support it? I I was kind of both ways on it because at the end of the day, you won the game because of that. The Illinois starters were not going to win you the game. Iowa was taking it to them and they were going to, I mean, they were going to win like, the, the way it was going. So uh, I think like in the short term, yes, you won the game. I support it from that standpoint. Uh, but also it's like, did Illinois need to win that game? And we're kind of getting to the dicey part here where it's like, no, they didn't need to. So it's like, do you think they would have learned more by losing? Or do you think this teaches them more? Uh, because I'm with you, like at a certain point, like you also have the bench players who are there now. They're like, Hey, we're a really, you know, we're, we're a team with a lot of depth. You know, so yeah. we should be using our depth. What happens next game when Brad Underwood only plays seven players? Right. You know, exactly. Like, <clears throat> what's Nick w- uh, Moretti? What What is he going to think when he's not in the game? It's like, dude, yeah. I just had a fantastic game for you. Basically won you in the game. Again, I mean, not basically won you the game, but played a really, really good game was a big part of why you won that game. And you're going to take me out? Like, yeah, yeah. I, know, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I agree. I agree with that for sure. But I will say that going back to your previous point, you always want to play to win the game. We just talked about that with uh, Maryland and Kevin Willard last week. I believe yeah. it was when he wasn't 
trying to extend the game, which he did the very next game. I swear he was listening to our show after that loss. But uh, yeah, I always say you got to try to go and get the win, though. I don't I I never subscribe to the uh, like a loss teaches you more like winning is always better. It's always better for morale, I think. So I'm, I, I think they did the right thing by obviously trying to win the game. Like right. you should always be trying to win the game. But uh, yeah, obviously, like you said, it worked out. So it, it was good for Illinois on that on that front. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like this Illinois team, they we just got done talking last week about how Brad Underwood basically lost them that game against Penn State. Now, did the players deserve, you know, some of the criticism? Yes, they obviously deserve criticism. Coleman Hawkins in particular for missing the free throws at the end of the game and then also fouling the three-point shooter. However, whatever Brad Underwood said to Coleman Hawkins this week in right. practice or whatever it was, like I like to think that he just like brought Coleman Hawkins into his office and just like repeatedly screamed it at him until he finally was like, "Yes, coach, I promise I'll play better." <laughs> Because I know exactly what he did. Here's what he did. He sat him down and he went to Twitter and he showed him all the Purdue fans that were posting the Joker laughing meme or gif it's called. And he was like, look at this Coleman. Look at this. Is this, is this okay with you? Cause it's not okay with me. And then he, Coleman was like, this is not okay with me. And then he went out and scored 30 points, but uh, yeah, impressive game for him. Here's what I'm a little bit worried about Illinois going into March though. Their last five games, Iowa, 85 points given up. Penn State, 90 points given up and lost. Maryland, 80 points given up. Michigan, 68 points given up, which honestly, that's too many against Michigan even. And then Michigan State, another loss. They gave up 88 points. They're giving up over 80 points a game, close to 90 points a game in their last five games. And that's not what you want to be doing defensively, especially when you've got a guy like Coleman Hawkins, who's so good defensively. And some other guys, like even uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., he's really good defensive uh, guards. So I I want to see more from them on that side of the basketball going into March for me to really believe in them potentially winning a national championship, which is what Illinois fans are talking about right now. Like, we can go to the Final Four. We can make things happen. You're not going to be able to do that if you're giving up 85 points to Iowa, 90 points to Penn State. No offense to Penn State or Iowa, but... If you're Illinois, you shouldn't be giving up that many points to them. And 88 points to Michigan State, who just lost to Ohio State. Again, not trying to offend any of these teams, but we're talking about Illinois being like the upper class of this conference, and they're not getting stops against teams that they should be really getting stops against. Yeah, I don't know. Do you yeah. Are you worried about that? No, I am. Uh, that was the title of the last episode before they lost to Penn State, and I had to change it, was does Illinois have a championship level defense and i'm not just talking about the ncaa tournament i'm talking about the big 10 tournament do they yeah. have a defense where they're going to make it to the big 10 championship game because in march all you need is one team that can hit every single shot and make those things happen now fortunately for illinois they are not a shooting reliant team like nebraska is that's one of the reasons why nebraska struggles away from home is because they don't have the excitement from the home crowd and things like that that get them into the game where they're able to shoot as well for illinois i mean terrence shannon jr man he's a bowling ball he gets down in there and and he he drives his puts his head down drives to the hoop and just just 
gets to the bucket. And you have other guys like that who also can do those things. Quincy Garrier had a better had a better time getting to the bucket. Some of these other guys were able to, you know, Marcus Tomas, they were able to do that. And you have Coleman Hawkins, who is essentially your five, who is stretching people out to the perimeter uh, that's making that mismatch for other people. So Illinois does have an offense that is sustainable. There's a reason why they scored 95, 89, 85, 97, 80, 87 and 87 all the games before that i mean the the one before that was 70 against indiana which that's an outlier because the rest of them have been 80 and 90 the rest of the year i mean yeah so illinois has the consistent offense it's just that defense where you're right you're giving up 90 points to penn state without their leading scorer you're giving up uh, uh 80 points to maryland maryland where their only offense is jameer young and julian reese I mean, you're giving up 80 points to them, 88 to Michigan State, who has no down low presence. I mean, Xavier Booker was better. We'll talk about him here later on. But I mean, no down low presence like you you have got to be better on defense if you want to make some type of run. Can they win two or three games in a row just by offense? They can. But Illinois is starting to turn into the concern that I've had with Iowa every single year getting into the tournament where it's like, yes, you have an amazing score and you have an amazing offense. But at the end of the day, you just you don't have the defense to be able to make it deep in the tournament. And March is not the time that defenses magically show up either. It's the exact opposite. It's when you run into like a streaky guard who's going to make every single three pointer. And that's why they call it March Madness because it's so much fun when you get to play against guys like that or watch guys like that. And that's what concerns me going into the, the big dance. Like I don't think the big 10 tournament is like really that important. I don't to them maybe because they're already going to be a higher seed. And, you know, obviously they're going to want to win one or two games. I don't think they're worried about winning the big 10 tournament, but their seeding is going to be extremely important in the NCAA tournament, because like I just said, if they get to up against somebody that can knock down some shots and, uh, you know, they're just, if, if they're streaky at all, then Illinois is going to have trouble stopping them and they're probably going to lose again. So it's just tough to see that because they are such a talented team offensively. You'd like to see them be able to lock in a little bit better on the other side so that we can have more confidence in them going into March. I totally agree. I totally agree. We have a few comments here. Uh, JR, that is true. I think it's talking about the defense there, but aren't there going to be times in the tournament where you might not get to 70 points on offense, but you can't, but can they hold teams under 60? That's my point. Like, I don't, I, I don't think Illinois can hold tournament teams to under 60. I'm trying to look for what games they've hold, held a team under 60 this season. Colgate, December 17th. <laughs> Colgate's Ruck, tough, at dude. Rutgers, at Rutgers on December second, uh, Western Illinois, yeah. Eastern Illinois. That's it. <laughs> There's that's four teams, four teams that they've held under sixty this season, and none of those teams are are tournament teams. Um, right. So, like, I mean, I guess one of them could win their conference championship or whatever. Colgate. Uh, possibly, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know Colgate's record. I know they were good last year. but anyway, I don't know you see what I'm I was just like, kidding when I said they were tough. I don't really know if they're tough or not. I think they were good last year. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tough, t- 
tough situation. Uh, Dylan, hey, JR, big fan. Uh, thank you, Dylan. I keep forgetting to send you a Purdue hat. Yes, please do. I will proudly wear a Purdue hat on the podcast. Uh, I will do anything to attach myself to Zach Eady and Braden Smith, who are probably going to make it deep into the tournament this year. I think they will, but if they don't, I might not wear the hat very often. We'll see. I'll wear think- it during Big Ten tournament week when they win the Big Ten tournament. That'd be great. That? Do you think that Dylan knows how big of a fan of uh, Braden Smith I am? Because I, I don't feel like enough Purdue fans are talking about how big yeah, of a he fan definitely I am doesn't and how I've been singing his praises on this show. Yeah. He definitely doesn't know. He probably should send you a Braden Smith jersey. That'd be great. If he could go to the pop-up uh, NIL store and uh, shake hands with Julia Edie and all the other guys that are hanging out in there and get me a signed Braden Smith shirt, I would love to wear that. That'd be great. Yeah. I fully great. agree. Oh, here we go. Michael coming in, saving us. Colgate is Let's 20 go. and 9. So, yeah, see? Colgate. Good team. They'll probably have a good chance of winning their conference tournament. So, all right. Uh, let's move on to our next game here. All right, Minnesota fans. Here you go. Minnesota versus Nebraska. Is it right on your screen? It's not showing up for me. Yeah, that's right. You got okay. it. I don't know why StreamYard does this, but all right. So, Minnesota falls to Nebraska 73 to 55. It was a tough effort for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They just came off that huge win against Ohio State at home. Obviously, going into Lincoln is never easy. However, I know uh, Minnesota fans were probably not really happy with the performance. And I also saw some questioning the effort a little bit of the team. I think this is a team that is giving good effort, but at a certain point, like when you go into Nebraska, and again, I'm not trying to make a excuse in the world for them, but like at a certain point, you just kind of lose your faith, right? I mean, the the way that you uh, lose some of these games in Nebraska, and Nebraska came out quick and early and was really scoring on them. What were your thoughts on the game, Ken? Yeah, I was disappointed in my Gophers. And I say my Gophers because yesterday I posted a bold prediction that they were going to be the first Big Ten team to win at Nebraska. And you know what, man? I I, Sometimes you just got to take one on the chin. I just retweeted it and put whoopsies. And I am getting, I just, I'm just now checking this for the first time. I am getting destroyed in the comments right now about me picking Minnesota to win this game. And it's pretty fun. So go check that out at Casual Big Ten if you guys want to see me getting made fun of. But yeah, Nebraska, like, you just can't beat them at home. And it's, it's, it sounds like such a lazy thing to say because you can just look at their record and be like, oh man, they're tough at home. But it's just the truth because they're really not doing anything differently on, their home court that they're doing on the road, but they just can't seem to pick up the wins on the road. Like they can so easily get the wins at home and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I still like Minnesota. This is a very disappointing game, especially because I've been advocating for them to make the NCAA tournament with Joe Lenardi and other people on Twitter. Um, But I still love Cam Christie. I thought he played fine today. He had some moments where he was playing really good. Uh, my guy, Parker Fox, eight points in the first half, and then he kind of disappeared in the second half, which was disappointing because everybody was talking about my guy at halftime. It was pretty awesome to see. Um, but yeah, Nebraska is just too much. And here's the interesting thing about this game. Usually when Nebraska gets a blowout win like this, from what I've noticed this year, Kase Tominaga usually has a big game, and he only had, I believe, six points tonight, if I'm remembering right from the game. So it's nice to see if you're a Nebraska fan. And by the way, which I am, I am a fan of Nebraska. I just thought that this was a good spot to make a bold prediction for Minnesota. I love Nebraska, but it's nice to see them step up when Tomonaga doesn't have a big game and say, hey, we got these other guys. We have Mast. We have uh, Juwan Gary, who had a massive game today. That was a big game for him. Um, It's nice to see those other guys step up 
and say, hey, we actually have a legitimate team. We're not just relying on this guy jacking up left-handed three-pointers from the logo and they always go in at home. We can actually win games and grind it out and beat you that way as well. So um, it was nice to see that for Nebraska. So I'm excited for them uh, getting that win. Obviously, I'm just sad that I got my prediction wrong. You know, that hurts a little bit, you know. Wow, it's okay. Not everybody can uh, put predictions out there, so no. they all like to come and make fun when we lose. But I think if everybody made predictions, there would be a whole lot less making fun of because <laughs> yeah, everybody else would show how wrong they are. Um, it's like if you it, said Nebraska was going to win this game, that's not a that's not a that's like okay, duh. Like they're at home; they haven't lost at home hardly at all this year, except once. Like yeah. that's not something tweetable to be like. I think Nebraska is going to win this game. Like, yeah. obviously, no, like no. everyone thinks that. Yeah, yeah. So I only like to do the predictions when I think that they're, uh, it's something that people think is not going to happen. But then usually it actually doesn't happen. And then I look like an idiot. So, but that's okay, though. It's fun still. It's fun. Uh, Dave says, I feel like Minnesota is going to bounce back and get uh, a surprising win against Illinois. I Listen, Illinois, we just talked about it. They are uh, a team that could be upset if you have enough offense and you're able to stop them uh, with your defense at all uh, or not at all, but enough to be able to win those games because Illinois just doesn't, doesn't have the defense in my mind, or at least they haven't shown the defense in my mind. So Minnesota could certainly, certainly make that happen. Uh, Ali Bob was talking about your guy, Parker Fox here played well, oh, but his careful. game is dependent on other players hustling the way he does. So that's actually a praise. He said another okay. players need to play like him tonight. Parker was the only one hustling. Parker almost messed around and got himself a double double. It was what eight, eight and nine, I think, uh, in that one. So, I, I, listen, this in no way, shape, or form changes my love for Minnesota this season. But mm. I, I also love Nebraska. So this was one of those games where, like, you know, I don't have kids uh, who are battling against each other, like, <laughs> because they aren't old enough to do that yet. But like, if I had two kids that were on the same or on different teams in a league and like one was playing the other, like you've seen when JJ Watt goes against TJ Watt in the NFL or like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Travis Kelsey goes against Jason Kelsey. Like, I feel like I'm the one in the stands with like the half Nebraska, half Minnesota jersey where I'm like, go just play good basketball. Because I, (laughs) I just, I love both these teams so much. And I think that they bring so much to the big 10 this season, other than, you know, what, what we normally have from the good teams, because Nebraska and Minnesota has both popped up this year and been who, who, who people didn't think they were going to be. I think Nebraska was picked to finish 12th. I saw on the broadcast and Minnesota was picked to finish last. These are two teams that are both vying to possibly be uh, a two round buy in the big 10 tournament. Now I don't, I think it's going to be much harder for Minnesota to get there after this loss tonight. However, Nebraska looks like they're probably going to get that two round buy. So uh, I, I, I just, I love both of these teams and I think that they're both playing good basketball. And unfortunately for Minnesota, they just kind of put their head down uh, after just having, having uh, be completely blown out by just a spectacular Nebraska offense. Yeah. I'll take it a step further on what you said too. Not only does my love for Minnesota not dwindle at all, but I also don't think they're any worse of a team than Nebraska because they have already beat Nebraska. They beat Nebraska at home already. So like they've split this year. I still think that Minnesota could go toe to toe with Nebraska. Like, for example, if they meet up in three weeks at the Big Ten tournament, that would be a fantastic game. Um, like you were saying, though, I'd be I'd be really torn in the stands on that one. Like, but it would be that would be a great rubber match, though. Like those two, like settling the score, like both of them, each one one at home and the other one one at home, obviously. 
But uh, I don't know how many teams can even say that in the Big Ten this year where they've split like their home games where we would want to see a rubber match like that in the Big Ten tournament. That'd be great. I would love to see that game one more time. Um, and I'd be really excited if that happened for sure. And, but I think Minnesota could win that game. And obviously yeah. that's almost like a home game for them because it could be in Minneapolis. So yeah. that, that's not really a neutral site either. So it might even favor the Gophers a little bit. Uh, Ken, let, I guess let's uh, end the discussion here before we move on to the next game. If Minnesota is going to make a kind of run in the Big Ten tournament specifically, obviously they have a few more games this season, but say they get to the Big Ten tournament, they make some kind of run. Say they make it to the, to the Big Ten championship game, just you know, hypothetically. Who is the player on this Minnesota team that's going to make that happen? Is it Elijah Hawkins? Is it Cam Christie? Is it Dawson Garcia? Farrell Plain? Who is the one? I know you're going to say Parker Fox. No. Nope, uh, okay. Not. Who is the one? Who is it? And you still haven't mentioned him. It's Mike Mitchell. All right. It's Mike Why? Mitchell, 100%. Like he's got to get super streaky hot and he's got to be extremely consistent knocking down his three pointers. And the team will, I think, feed from that because. When you knock down those big shots, when you knock down those big three-pointers, everyone's starting to get some momentum. They're saying, hey, look, at we got the stadium with us. We got everybody rocking. Mike's feeling it. Let's get it to the hot hand. If he plays above average, they could win a couple of games. If he plays really, really good, I think that they could make that run that you're talking about. But it's got to be him, though, because yeah. they rely too much on him in big moments to knock down those threes. And when he doesn't, they usually struggle. And when he does... They usually play really well. I think that there's a lot on his shoulders uh, during that week at the Big Ten tournament. He's a super important player for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another comment from our, our friend Alababa here. Minnesota will make noise next year as they should have everybody back. Knock on wood. Even Parker Fox has a confirmed extra year of eligibility left to use as announced yesterday. You said something. He said something about that on your podcast with you. Did he say he wasn't coming back or did he say that? What did he say to you? I didn't ask him specifically about that. Oh, okay. I didn't because I was under the impression that there was no shot that he had another year. I mean, this is his seventh year technically in college. I mean, he just turned 28, I think. Okay. So that would be. So he does have an extra year then. So that would be pretty. I mean, I don't know. That'd be. That'd be I, crazy thought you had said, I thought you had said that he told you on the podcast he wasn't coming back. No, like he, no. Like when I got asked about okay. that last week, I just said there's no way that he does. And that was just me guessing. Uh, okay. But okay. then then somebody said, I think in the comments last week on YouTube, they corrected me. And I think I replied back to them. It might have been him. Might yeah, have been Ali Ali Baba. Baba. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for told me that he has there. another year. That's crazy. That's crazy. I'd love to see him come back, though. It'd be awesome. Listen, this is the part that I can't follow, even with my own team. Like, who can come back and who can't? Yeah. With all the COVID year stuff and everything. I, it, it's almost impossible. So, God bless the people who do because I can't. Yeah. I can't hardly do it. It's it's almost impossible. I have to address this comment and then we'll move on. Uh, the OHIO podcast. I just hop on and Jr. in a Buckeye hat says, "I also love Nebraska <laughs> SMH." Uh, Eric, I will I will say this one thing to defend myself and then we'll move on. Who were the ones that that? Uh, that that wanted football season to happen in 2020 with Ohio State. It was Nebraska. Mm. Nebraska were the ones fighting for it with the rest of uh, the Ohio State fans. And so ever since then, I've always had a, just a little bit of an affinity for uh, for Nebraska. And uh, this basketball season is certainly helping helping with that as well. So how could you not uh, like Nebraska though? Any college basketball fan, like unless you're just like a staunch Nebraska hater, if you watch Nebraska, they have so many guys that are easy to cheer for. 
I mean, it's really tough not to like them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, one question from my comments are popping tonight, man. I'm trying to they keep are. track of them over here on the, on the I was screen. worried I about us doing up. I was worried about us doing a two man show, but apparently every Sunday night could just be a two man show. Cause this is when everybody watches. Uh, Michael says, JR, did you talk about the comments about painter where he said that he would never have thought he would hear the who's house chant at the end of the game today. I did not talk about those comments, but I'm glad you brought that up. Um, just real quick on Purdue, because we're not going to talk about that game, because unfortunately we had guests scheduled who, who couldn't make it tonight that were from Rutgers and Penn State. So I want to talk about their teams. But uh, yeah, no, I, it's a fantastic moment for Purdue tonight, not only beating Michigan, but going into their house and just completely overloading that arena and having those those chants. I mean, as an Ohio State fan, I pride myself on when the, the fans go to different football stadiums and they're able to do the ohio chant around the stadium and every time i've been a part of that it almost like I know this is kind of stupid but it kind of makes me tear up a little bit because it's just like the you know the the, the fan base of being able yeah. to do that so when i heard that tonight for boilermaker fans i was like this has to be one of the best feelings like it, like obviously winning national championship stuff like that but just like in a single game moment this has to be one of the best feelings out there because not only are you proud of your team but it's like you're proud of your fans you're proud of the people who root for this team uh as well you have any thoughts on that kent yeah i mean that's cool i like that but it is michigan it's been happening with like every team that's been playing them this year like there was go green go white chance which yeah. that's a little bit easier because it's in the same state i get that but like I don't know, man. I went to a Michigan game over uh, Christmas break. There was nobody there. Yeah. Nobody was in the stadium. I went and watched them. Uh, God, who was that team that they played? I can't even remember. Was McNeese State. Game? I went to the McNeese oh. State game oh. and just watched. Uh, it was actually really impressive to watch McNeese. They yeah. were a really good team, but there was nobody there. Nobody was at that game. So it's been like that all year for Michigan. But I will say, like I said at the beginning of the show, very impressive for them to drive up all the way from West Lafayette to Ann Arbor and have that sort of a presence in that stadium. That is extremely impressive. No doubt. It is. It is. All right, let's go on to the big upset. Ohio State upsets Michigan State 60 to 57 game winning shot by Dale Bonner, uh, kind of like a pseudo buzzer beater. There was technically still time left on the clock, but uh, you know, it was a reverse court storming as we referenced earlier, yeah, where yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ohio state team just runs onto the court and then everybody just, you know, in the stands turns away and walks the other way. So this was a crazy game. I, I, there was a lot of hype going into this game because Jamison battle. And I broke that really, really early on. And he was not going to play. He was out for the game. And in addition to that, Xavier Booker was going to make his first start for Michigan state in this one as well. So there was just a lot of really uh, interesting storylines going into this game. And, and I was kind of talking with some Michigan State fans on Twitter, and I said, look, the only way Ohio State wins this game is if Michigan State doesn't play the way they're supposed to. Ohio State will not win this game because they're the better team. Michigan State will lose this team because they play as the worst team. Kent, would you agree that Michigan State did not play up to their potential today and that they were just the worst team today? A hundred percent. They scored, what, nine points in the last 12 minutes of the game. They just could not find a bucket in the second half especially the second half of the second half they they could not score in this game and uh, you got to really credit Ohio State's defense I thought they played really good uh defensively especially it, I'm gonna butcher his name because I don't think I've ever said it out loud but Akpara 
Like he yeah. is disrupting things down low uh, in a major way. And in this game, he definitely was. But uh, going back to a couple of things that you said, I got a couple questions about some stuff you said. First of all, the when they rush the court and there's still time on the clock, my immediate thought, I didn't see anything. I haven't even been on Twitter since that game got over yet. But uh, the first thing that I saw or that I thought of was, is there any room for Michigan State fans to be mad that they were on the court before the game was over and a technical foul possibly being assessed? That's what uh, my thought was. Is that is that dumb to think that? I think the buzzer went off. So I think okay. the kind of forgiveness is there that like, okay. oh, they thought the game was over. And then Jake Make Beaver the- was also like getting the guys off the floor as soon as possible because he was the same way. Where he was True. Like, guys, don't get a tech. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, so well, no, he like I went think... down to his like knees at first, and then as soon as he yeah. like kind of thought about it, like wait, it might not be over. He was like, get out, get out of here, get out of here. Uh, but the second thing that you said though, Xavier Booker, Michigan State fans have been like campaigning for this guy to be in the starting lineup and get more minutes. They really have nothing to say now. I don't think. Like, I get it. He wasn't in like later in the game in maybe some crucial moments where you'd like to see him in, but he started, like you said. He played, how many minutes do you want this guy to play and be a factor? Because he played 17 tonight and it didn't help. They still lost to a team that was missing, like you said, Jameson Battle. And uh, a guy that they probably, better when he was in, though? Weren't they better when he was in? Yeah, I think they were. I think they were, but like, I don't know. It's just tough because it's like, do you want him to play the whole game? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think Izzo's doing a great job this year either. And like, like, he's definitely taking a lot of flack from their fans. And I, and I'm right with there with him. I think he should be, but what are you going to play him 30 minutes tonight? You can play Xavier Booker 30 minutes. I don't know. How many minutes do you want him to play? I think, I think the biggest thing for me and somebody said earlier, I need to, uh, Oh, here we go. Fisherman. Uh, Izzo not putting Booker back in for the final 15 minutes exactly. cost in this game. I think that's what I point out less so than like the minute total. It's like at the end of the game, um, they, he, he just wasn't there. And yeah. Michigan state was better on the floor when Xavier Booker was on the floor in this game. I mean, I think his plus minus was like 11, which we can argue. About I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to look up his plus minus. Yeah. I mean, we can argue about what that stat means, but when everybody else is in the negative, <laughs> And yeah. he's at 11. Like, that means something. And to me, I liked the way that Michigan State was playing better when Xavier Booker was in there. He was able to spread the floor. He wasn't some clunky Carson Cooper out there who can't, you know, walk without, you know, what was it, 11? 11. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I, I thought I looked it up. Uh, or Fisherman says plus 12. Anyway, whatever it was, plus 11, plus 12. He was the best plus minus on that team. And to not have him on the floor at all for the last, like I get if it's only like five, you know, he's a freshman. You don't want to have him out there in the crunch time. But still, like, just, I don't know what Izzo's thinking. I don't know what he's doing. It's at home. And I don't know. I I just, I think Xavier Booker should have been out there. But the real story of it all was the real breakout freshman. And I know I got to bring him up because, you know, Ohio State and everything. Devin Royal. If this guy transfers, I will cry. I will cry if Devin Royal transfers because Devin Royal is really, really good. And he's finally getting minutes under Jake Diebler. And he's actually playing, I think, to the potential of who he can actually be. What do you think, Kent? I thought I I almost had a heart attack when he got rolled up on in like the last five minutes because like I thought he was I thought his ankle was broken at first. I was like, that looked bad. Um, But yeah, he played outstanding tonight. He looked really good. I thought both. Uh, like I just said, Akpara and him, I thought they both looked really good. 
But for me, honestly, I'm going to say I'm going to say one other guy's name because I think that he deserves even more credit. It's uh, Roddy Gale because he was knocking down he those free throws in the clutch moments, which Michigan State is. I think they used to be last. I don't know where they're at right now, but they are one of the worst free throw shooting teams. And it showed tonight. It finally it finally showed tonight. It finally bit them tonight. Usually you're waiting for Michigan State to like. Uh, Tyson Walker's going to hit one of those monster threes and they're going to pull out this like close win against a team that they should be beating. And I kept waiting for that to happen. Well, tonight it was him on the free throw line and he had a chance to hit two free throws to go up with, a, uh, I think it was sec- six seconds left. Maybe eight <laughs> the seconds free throw left. wedgie. <laughs> what was that? The free throw wedgie. That's the what. free throw wedgie. Yeah, exactly. Missed it. He got the free throw wedgie. And then made the second one, obviously, but they missed so many free throws all the time and it finally yep. bit them tonight. And on the other side, Roddy Gill hit them all. He hit them all down the stretch when he needed to, uh, to put them up, to put them closer, to tie the game. Whenever they needed him to hit a free throw, he was hitting it and the place was going crazy. So I got to give him a lot of credit for uh, knocking those down, man. So really like to me, three MVPs in this game and even Thornton played good tonight, man. Like they all, yeah. it was just a really good game for Ohio state. And like I said, last week, the exact same thing I said last week about this team, it's the team that we've been waiting to see since the beginning of the year. I had way higher hopes for this team going into the year. Maybe Diebler is onto something. Maybe it is him. I tweeted that out last week. Maybe it actually was Chris Holtman's fault. Maybe it was. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk about Izzo here in a minute. I, I saw we had a couple comments, but I just want to say this about Diebler really fast. When Ohio State was winning earlier on in the season, you saw Chris Holtman go 10, 11 players deep. And I get it. Everybody, you know, shortens up their lineup and, and the guys getting minutes, you know, into the conference, you know, because that's kind of when you figure out what you got early on in the season. Some of the easy games you play, you get a few good tests and you kind of figure that out. Every team does that. But Jake Diebler has come in here and I mean, he played 10 guys tonight and a night where one of your starters was hurt. He played 10 guys, uh, five plus minutes, almost yeah, five plus all of them played f- five plus minutes in this game. I mean, the only guys that didn't play that have played this season was Jameson Battle. Of course, he was hurt, and then Austin Parks didn't play. Uh, but you didn't really need Austin Parks because Akpara and Key were doing so well, it didn't really make any sense. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like you would think it'd be weird to be playing 10, 11 guys, but it's working for Ohio state because you throw so many different looks in there and you have somebody who pops off like a Devin Royal and somebody from the bench who makes a game winning shot and Dale Bonner. So uh, I, I don't know if Jake Diebler is just randomly throwing guys in there, hoping something works or if he has some kind of madman strategy that, you know, nobody can figure out, but it's working for him. So I can't, I can't really blame him. Uh, you can't blame thoughts him on that before we talk about Izzo. Yeah. You can't really get mad at him either though, because like at least he's trying. Like there was a moment with like, I think it was like seven minutes left in the game and the announcers even pointed it out. I forget which three guys it was, but he basically had three bigs in there. I think it was key Akpara. And I don't know who the third guy was. Do you remember that moment where they were mentioning what's that? Which moment? I'm sorry. Uh, I think they had three big guys and it doesn't really matter. The point is though, that he's at least trying these other lineups. And that's exactly what the announcer said too. They were like, Hey, he's, he's just really trying to figure out what is going to work in whatever moment they are in. And, you know, tonight, every button that he pushed, it seemed like it was kind of working for them, getting them back into this game. I mean, they were down by 10 at halftime. This is impressive on the road at the Breslin. That's, that's tough to do. Not many teams come back from 10, uh, in East Lansing. So, I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit for 
even if he tried and it didn't work, at least he's trying to put the guys out there to try to go get the win when uh, the game is on the line. So I give him a ton of credit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Alibaba has Izzo lost his mojo. Where are you guys in the legendary coats in the midst of another subpar season? Kent, you want to take that first? Yes, he 100% has. He is, uh, he's, I mean, let's face facts. This guy is old. He's old and he, um, I'm not going to say the game has passed him, but I will say that he is tired of the change. I mean, this is a brand new college basketball than what he's used to. Back when he won a national championship, it was you get guys in, you develop them for four years, and you can build these guys up, and they're all from Michigan and all this good stuff. Um, and that's exactly what he did, and it was really successful for him. That's not the way it is anymore. You got to bring NIL involved. You got transfers involved. You got to still recruit. You got to recruit your own guys to stay. And to his credit, I thought he did a good job going into this season doing that because the roster was stacked going into this year. But for whatever reason, he did all those things right on the front end. And it almost seems like he lost focus on the thing that got him there in the first place, which was developing these guys and creating a really tough team. And they're not that this year. Um, So it's tough to see that because that's really what you like to see out of Tom Izzo. Like his coaching is really what has pushed him through to be a great coach. And it's almost like it flip-flopped now. He was focused on all that other stuff and then kind of lost sight of the the coaching stuff. That's what I've seen. I still think he's a great coach. I still think, I mean, we see flashes of it, you know, coming out of timeouts in certain situations. But yeah, the overall grind of the season and everything else that he's got to deal with has got to be weighing. It would weigh on anybody. Any normal man would be exhausted by this at this point. So I don't blame him, but I think he's tired. I mean, I just look at all these teams and I say, what did they do? Like Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, what did they do that has been so crucial to their success this season? They brought in a high level transfer who was able to add to their starting lineup. Jaden Aikens should not be starting. There, there should have been a transfer to come in for Jaden Aikens. And I'm not trying to say Jaden Aikens is bad. I'm not saying he, you know, it, 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 you know, hasn't developed or anything like that, but Ideally, you should have brought in a transfer who was better than Jay Nakins to make the starting lineup better, or at least a big man who was better than Matty Sissoko to help give you more of a post presence down low. Imagine if Michigan State got Kalel Ware from Indiana. I mean, that'd been huge. Kalel Ware has been huge for them this season. It's been kind of sad to see because Indiana is not very good. But, uh, I mean, imagine if they got Kalel Ware and brought him in there. You look at Purdue. They brought in Lance Jones. Illinois, they brought in, who was it, This Marcus Domask this season. I almost said Terrence Shannon Jr. He was last year. Northwestern, they brought in that Princeton guy. I forget his name off the top of my head. But he'd been coming off the bench, and he's still been great. But he's starting now because Ty Berry is injured. Wisconsin, they brought in A.J. Storr. Nebraska brought in Rank Mass. Juwan Gary, uh, all these other guys. Uh, Minnesota, they brought in. Um, oh, who's the one that they brought in? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, uh, anyway, somebody in the chat will tell me because I, I forget who it is. But you look at all these other guys. Hawkins, is it? Yeah, well, Hawkins was a transfer, but I, I don't remember if he came in this year or not. Uh, Phillip says Langborg for, uh, yeah, for uh, Northwestern. Thank you, Phillip. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, all these teams, the point is, all these teams have brought in some kind of transfer to either start or play a significant role on the team. And Michigan State did not do that. They brought in Tyson, Walk- Tyson Walker two years ago, I think it was, and he's been great. But you just, 
you don't you have to bring in these guys to be these star players not well, maybe not star players but be big contributing players on your team because that's what everybody else is doing and they're upgrading and if you're not doing that you're you're behind and unfortunately Izzo I don't think he's lost his mojo in coaching but he's losing his mojo with the transfer portal and some of this NIL stuff that's going on what do you think Yeah I agree I mean I think what he was thinking was probably going to happen this year was that Booker and Cohen Carr were going to fill that void that they need didn't really need to get a transfer. And you look up at, the, you know, obviously box score watching after a loss is really easy, but like those two guys had nine total points tonight and they lost at home. So if you're going to bring in, I believe both those guys were uh, five stars. I know for a fact Booker was, I think Cohen Carr was as well. But if you're going to bring in a couple five-star guys, though, five-star recruits need to contribute year one. And they're not doing that. And it's because of him, though. He's not giving them the opportunity to do that. So if you're going to bring in those guys, play them. Play them more. Play them like uh, the chat was saying. Play them in the minutes that they are supposed to be uh, in the crunch time minutes, basically. When when the game is on the line, let's put these freshmen in. Let's put the five-stars in and let them five-star. Let them go win games for you. And he's just, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'd love to know what he's thinking exactly. Like, this is my reasoning for not playing these guys. And uh, I think that it's going to pay off for this reason. I, I really don't know what he's thinking. And pretty much everyone that I've talked to and have seen tweets about, they don't get it either. So if nobody's understanding it, he can't be the only smart person. It's got to be, he's the wrong one at this point. So. Yeah, I don't know what he's supposed to do. Just make a change, I guess, at this point in the year. It's going to be tough, though. Well, and he killed himself because uh, Xavier Booker would be better right now if he right. was playing those minutes. And the most common thing that I've heard is that Tom Izzo sees Xavier Booker as a four and not a five, which, okay, sure. I, I get that. You know, you can't just swap him in for Maddie Sissoko when Maddie's the five and, you know, Xavier's a four. But does he have the, does he have the size to play the five? Yes. He definitely has the size to go in there and play the five. Would he be better than Matty Sissoko? Yes, yeah. I believe so. Especially if you've given him all season long starting and playing in these tough games. Like, I mean, like they played at the beginning of the year, Baylor, James Madison, all these other teams. I mean, James Madison, we didn't know it was going to be a tough team, but they ended up being because they're actually pretty good. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, it, he would not have the same problem if he would have just given given Xavier Booker the time to develop, to get better, uh, because game time is the best time to learn how to play, especially in the Big Ten. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't. And now he's just kind of laying in it. And who knows? They might not make the tournament. I, I just don't I understand that will, logic, but... though. If he's a if he's a four. OK, so who's the four playing in front of him? Are, are, is it is it Cooper? Malik Hall. Oh, Hall. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which makes sense. But Cooper's I, I doing more minutes too, though, than him. Yeah. Most games. Cooper's the backup five. But. Uh, okay, so he's the third string five, but he can't be the second string four behind Hall. Then. Yeah. I don't understand uh-huh. this. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, that all was out the window tonight because he technically started. So. Yeah. I guess he's a he's a first string. I don't yeah. know. Everybody's talking about this, so I feel like we have to bring it up. Uh, Let's Ken. do it. The uh, Lamont Paris goes to Ohio State and brings Michi Johnson back. That would be awesome. So they're talking about the uh, the head coach rumors for Ohio State. Obviously, the big rumor right now that everybody's talking about is Sean Miller 
to Ohio State from Xavier. Sean Miller about, doesn't get any dirtier than Sean Miller. Maybe Bill Self, but <laughs> these are kind of the two dirtiest guys in the game. I personally, and I know people won't like this who are Ohio State fans, I personally would be totally fine with Sean Miller. That's actually kind of who I want more than anybody else. But uh, Kent, from an outside perspective, because I know you're not a Ohio State fan, uh, outside perspective, do you like the hire of Lamont Paris, Sean Miller, maybe a Greg McDermott? Uh, what what kind of hires are you looking at for this Ohio State job that you like? I gotta I gotta really show my casualness right now because I don't know who Lamont Paris is. He's a South Carolina coach. Okay, He's yeah, 40, three and five or something like that this year. So it's definitely not him for me. Uh, McDermott would be great. Yeah. Um, I have I have some stories, and this is going to be a tease for people that are listening. But I'm going to share some stories with you about Sean Miller after we're done recording that I don't want going out on the internet. So that's going to be fun for you after this, because you're right. He is very dirty, but I think that in this age of college basketball, that doesn't matter anymore because everything's being done out in the open now. So like now it's just coming down to like, who is being the best, who is the best at being dirty at this point, but it's not even dirty anymore because it's legal. So let's bring in all the guys and, you know what? I think Sean Miller's a great recruiter. So I think that re- realistically, he would be a great hire if you're a Buckeyes fan at this point. And uh, honestly, I think that that is who they are ultimately going to go with um, is Sean Miller. So that's my prediction. And I think that if you're an Ohio State fan, you got to be excited about that because all the stuff that's happened in the past, like that's not really an issue anymore. Like, do you agree with me on that? Like, I feel like. Yeah, no. He can go yeah. recruit guys. He can go bring guys in. He can actually offer guys money now. Um, I mean, technically, I guess he's not supposed to be doing that, but you know, it's out in the open and guys are getting money. So it's like, yeah, let's bring in the best coach we can and a guy that's really good at getting high level recruits, which he's got a track record of doing. And uh, let's go win some games again. And I think that he would be a great hire for Ohio State. I made this point to some people on Twitter uh, last night because I said I was for Sean Miller and made a lot of Ohio State fans upset. Uh, We tried hire the nice guy and bring him in nicest guy in the sport and have him just be like a father figure to these guys and, you know, just do a great job. That didn't work. Okay. As much as I love Chris Holman personally and think he's just a fantastic person, that didn't work. Uh, so for me, I'm like, let's go complete 180, hire the dirtiest guy in the sport, hire the guy who has, you know, been fired yeah. from a top tier job because he got investigated with the FBI. Because look at this in, in, uh, college football, when everything started happening with NIL, who was the best at it right away? The SEC, because yeah. the SEC was doing this long before the Big Ten and everybody else. Was. Right. All right. Right. So if you want somebody who can go in there and bring in some dudes with some money and the NCAA not be able to do a thing about it, give me Sean Miller because Sean Miller was doing this far before anybody else was. He was probably the grandfather of this. Like he was doing this far before anybody else was. So bring him in. Let him just start wheeling and dealing. Give him the NIL budget that Ohio State has. And man, I I, will have we'll have all Americans on this roster in no time. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that's absolutely the right move and that's who they should go with. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dave, did you read my comment about court stormy? I think we did. We did comments earlier about court, court stormy stormy. I didn't see the stormy, but, uh, court stormy. I did. Uh, be I don't know if we, if we didn't, if we didn't, Dave, put it back up and 
and we'll get to it later on. All right, that's enough Ohio State, Michigan State. Let's move on to Maryland and Rutgers. So Maryland defeats Rutgers in this one. Uh, was never really close. Maryland wins 63 to 46 in this one. Rutgers just didn't have the offense. It felt like everything we've been seeing from, from Jeremiah Williams being able to, to make the offense go and make everything happen was a lie. I feel like I've been lied to. I was all in on Jeremiah Williams and thinking that he was going to be great and do all these things and that he scores six points tonight, which I can't put everything on him. This, this Rutgers offense is is just not good. And once teams have kind of figured out <laughs> Jeremiah Williams is your spark plug, they kind of shut yeah. him down and then the offense shuts down with it. What were your thoughts, Kent? Basically the same. Like I, I feel bad because they were so down and then we're kind of going on a run and starting to get people's hopes up again. I mean, there was, there was chatter of Rutgers possibly making a run to get into the tournament, like, but two weeks ago. And it just seems like that's all, that's all dead. Now. I just can't figure either of these teams out to be honest though. These are tough teams to figure out like a lot of the big 10 teams, but for Maryland to go on the road at the rack where everybody's been talking about, this is such a tough place to play all year. And it's a weekend game and they go in there and basically control it from the tip was pretty impressive to see from Maryland whose offense has also been pretty bad this year not like not like with the stats of like scoring but if you're watching them and you're watching them actually try to run sets it's been really tough to watch and it's been basically like you said earlier uh the Jameer Young show but uh Julian Reese was great in this game I thought defensively he was even better um but obviously adding those 20 points was huge for them I thought Rutgers was going to win this game, and like I said, just can't figure them out, and I thought that they'd be able to hold court here, and just just a really bad game from them all around on both sides, but really, like you said, offensively, just couldn't get clicking, couldn't find the basket, and it's a game of, like every college basketball game, it's a game of runs, it's all about momentum, and they just could not seem to find any sort of momentum. They were super out of sorts in this game, and when you only have one guy at home that scores more than eight points, that's going to be a really tough win when you're at home and you got one guy in double digits and only one guy over eight points, man, it's going to be hard to win any games in this conference. And obviously that's why they lost this game today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Rutgers is a really nice story for like their defense and their, the recruits they're bringing in this season and stuff like that. And uh, what is it? Dylan Harper and, and Ace Bailey and actually PSU underscore Mish is, is asking here, do you think Dylan Harper could decommit from Rutgers? Um, I don't know. Some of these recruits, it's all different. I think Dylan Harper is either the brother or cousin or something like that of Ron Harper. And so I feel like he probably will stay committed. I don't have any inside knowledge on that. I can dig a little bit and go try to find something. But at the end of the day, I, I've not heard any smoke about it. So I'm not really too concerned. Uh, watch him decommit tomorrow after I say this. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Um, but I'd he's be not decommitting, though. You're no, right. I'm he's got family that. ties to Rutgers. He, he's not. Yeah. I don't think I would be I shocked. If Ace Bailey is probably more likely than Dylan yeah. Harper. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Ace Bailey's basically coming because of Dylan Harper, like they're best friends, right. uh, And stuff. So, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know, and I don't. Yeah, Dylan. Dylan hasn't even signed yet. I think he's just been committed. Um, oh yeah, because Ace Bailey, he can't. He's already signed, so he can't decommit. Um, but no, I, I think I think Dylan. Dylan will probably stay committed, but um, yeah, yeah. There we go. He hasn't signed anything, which is suspect. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and sometimes I don't know. Recruiting is so weird. Whenever I've done recruiting, like 
I always get sick and tired of it because nothing, especially in the NIL right now, nothing is the same. Nothing is for sure. Every single recruit is different. Every single, like you have to talk to each individual recruit to have knowledge on these things. And I just don't, I don't have the time to talk to each and every single recruit. Uh, And sometimes they don't even respond back to me. So it's like, you know, I don't even have the ability to talk to some of them. So it's weird. Um, But yeah, no, it is suspicious that he hasn't signed his uh, NLI yet. Um, But we'll see. I think at the end of the day, as long as Rutgers still gets these guys in, that's what, I mean, that's what's going to make Rutgers fan happy at the, uh, at the end of the day with this one. So Maryland on the other side, Jameer Young, really, really good. Julian Reese, really, really good. But it just kind of seems like the the same story each and every night with these guys. Dante Scott has uh, has has helped out recently. Uh, Jordan Geronimo uh, got a double-double tonight, so that was really, really cool to see. But at the end of the day, like, I is Maryland even going to be an NIT team, Kent? Like, I think they will, but yeah, uh, I mean, their, their net rating and Ken Palm is high enough. I think they will, but... I don't. I don't think anything that will happen this season will make Maryland fans happy. They're happy with Derek Queen, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be an NIT team for sure. But it's interesting. You just brought up one of my favorite players from last year. He was such an under the radar guy, but Jordan Geronimo, like you said, good game yep. today. But he's really been the guy for me that has let me down with this Maryland team the most this season. Like I was expecting him a lot. I was expecting a lot more from him. Uh, from a contribution standpoint, he's just not been giving it to me uh, to get excited about this Maryland team. It's really disappointing. This game was interesting, though, man. Like, not to go back to, like, what exactly was happening today, but, like, I feel like any fan that's watched enough college basketball, like, within the first five minutes of a game, you can get a vibe, and you're just like, I can't put my finger on it, but, like, the vibe of the stadium and the vibe of this game tells me that this team is going to win. The way that Maryland played in in today's game was so loose and Rutgers was the exact opposite. It looked like they were like, you know, all the pressure was on Rutgers for some reason. It's like, why are you guys playing so sloppy right now? And like in your heads about everything, whereas Maryland was just like letting everything come to them. And it was just, it was fun to see Maryland play like that. And uh, I just, I don't know why they haven't been like that all year. You know, it's, it's really tough to stay consistent, I guess, but uh, it was good to see him play like that today. It was fun to watch today. I thought. Yeah, no, I think it was too. Um, I got to move on from this game. I <laughs> my wife told me to only podcast for an hour tonight. So. Oh boy, my bad, dude. <laughs> no, you know, I no, I'm good. Uh, but we'll just move on from this game. I don't have any many more thoughts, and the chat isn't going off about it too much. So uh, maybe they'll be interested in this one: Indiana versus Penn State. Penn State uh, took care of business. Uh, Penn State, they're the uh, the little engine that could. They're back at five hundred. Can they finish the year with an over five hundred overall record? I think they could. Uh, it was a really good win for them over Indiana. Indiana cannot shoot free throws. Indiana cannot shoot the three pointer. Uh, I think they got their first three-pointer of the game with like a minute and a half left in the game. I think Coleman Hawkins hit two in his game right after that before a minute <laughs> and a half was even up. So it's like That's crazy, crazy. but uh, yeah, and it's not a good showing for Indiana. I have been saying all year you can't fire Mike Woodson, but I watch these Indiana games and I'm like, I get why Indiana fans want to because these, I mean, there was a literally a point where Trey Galloway was calling out a play and everybody was just like standing around looking at each other. They didn't know what the play was. 
And Trey Galloway just like, I mean, he threw like a little fit because he was upset, but I get it because he's sitting there and he's like, guys, know the plays. And so I'm wondering what's going on behind the scenes. Are these guys actually, you know, giving their effort in practice? Are they actually you know, learning the playbook, knowing the play? Like what is actually going on behind the scenes? Because Mbako is good. He doesn't always play good, but he's a good player. Kalel Ware is good. Malik Renu is good. They just have the worst backcourt in the Big Ten and one of the worst in all of <laughs> Power Six uh, college basketball. Kent, what were your thoughts on the game? I want to start with what you said about Woodson because I had a friend in town. Uh, shout out to my boy, Zach. He was down from uh, Pittsburgh this weekend, and we were watching this game very casually, and Zach watches less college basketball than I do, but he even said at the end of this game, the thing that you just said, he said that there's no way Woodson's coming back next year, right? So he's watched enough of Indiana to know that like this guy is probably part of the problem, and I hate to just always talk about coaches getting fired, but I just thought that was interesting that he he said that from an even more casual perspective than like I typically watch games from. But on the opposite side, I went back and I remember we talked about Penn State right after they beat Wisconsin. And uh, back then it was like, this is unheard of that anyone's beating Wisconsin at that point. And that Penn State was the one to do it was really weird. And we talked about how like maybe this is a building block for them for this season going into next season. This has been the best year for a rebuild in the Big Ten. And Penn State could not have done it at a better time to bring in Rhodes and start what they're doing. Since that game, since that Wisconsin game, they've been 5-5, five and five, and it's just crazy to me that they basically have the same record as Indiana. Indiana's 14-13, and 13, Penn State's 14-14. and 14. Anybody predicting that going into this year would be insane. So uh, completely reloaded roster. I'm just really impressed with Rhodes. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with his team in the next couple of years, man. It's been, it's been a bumpy road this year for them, but I mean, you expected that with all these new guys. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that the, the grass is not grass is not greener. I think the path to them being successful is shorter than people were expecting when he first came in. He's, he's a great coach. I love him. Yeah. No, I like Mike Rhodes a lot. And I think that he's really uh, inspired this team a lot this season. Just, I mean, losing Kanye Clary and Penn State fans will tell you before anybody else, it's kind of a good thing that he left because just all the drama that was going on behind the scenes. I posted about it. I didn't get a whole lot of attention, but you know, the, the family members being upset and Kanye Clary was kind of uh, maybe a little toxic to the locker room is what I heard. I always hate saying that though, because I don't know this kid and I don't want to attack his character or anything like that. He could have just been upset. Uh, and I don't think every, indi- every situation is an indication of the person's character, but at least in this situation, it sounds like it was not good for the team. He was taking like a third of the team's shots or something like that. At one point it was, kind of Russell Westbrook. Well, if he'd like bit. to defend himself, he can come on the show and we can talk about it, you know? Sure. Great. Let's get him on. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Send him a DM. See if he blocks you. <laughs> he definitely will. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, but I think the overall picture, not to disparage Kanye Clary at all, that this team is better without him on the court. Ace Baldwin is better uh, leading this team at the point without, without Kanye Clary out there. Wahab, I think has been good lately. Uh, who's the other one? Kearns, Hicks. I mean, the, uh, those guys, they're, they're, they're playing well. And I really like this Penn State team and what Mike Rhodes has instilled in these guys. So, uh, I'm looking forward to next season with them. They aren't bringing in the high, you know, caliber recruits that Rutgers, uh, is, but 
I think at the end of the day, Penn State, they're just one of those teams that they're they're able to do some fun things and they're able to play like a team. Uh, and it's really, really cool to see when they do that. And also, you don't know who they're still going to get from the portal too. Like if any of these kids are actually watching Penn State play and they know about ball, then they're seeing what Rhodes is doing. They might mm-hmm. be like, hey, I want to go play for this guy too. Look what he did with this team last year. I could really help them out. So right. They could get some big transfers too. We'll see. I'm excited about their future though. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, got some comments in here about it. Philip says Penn State should shut down the Bryce Jordan <laughs> Center and move into the rec hall full time. Listen, that place was bumping when they were playing <laughs> Illinois. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, as somebody who comes from a fan base that has a really huge arena and wants to move back into a smaller, <laughs> kind of more uh, intimate, you know, lower seating uh, population arena, I completely agree. I think that would be. That would be fun. Penn State is a top 25 recruiting class coming in. Yes, they are. Uh, I just I just mean that they don't have like a number, like a top five player in the nation like Rutgers have. I wasn't trying to talk bad about their recruiting class. Thank you for pointing that out, PSU Mish. Oh, no, that we were talking to each other. Bad thing for Penn State is if Rhodes wins, he's going to get snapped up by a better program. I don't know. Do you think that'll happen? Because I don't think Shrewsbury was going anywhere unless it was a job like Notre Dame that he had a kind of a personal affinity for it sounded like I, I don't have that you know on the record or anything but it sounded like he kind of had a personal affinity for Notre Dame because Notre Dame is not a better basketball job than Penn State no Penn I didn't yeah we talked Dame. about that last year for sure I don't know I'd have to go back because I don't know a ton about Mike Rhodes like I did some research on him obviously when they hired him but I can't quite remember that was a long time ago now but I don't know what his connections to Pennsylvania are or where like his connections to Penn State at all. So um, typically, if they are connected, oh, there you go. Bang. No, uh, he's never leaving then, based on that comment right there. He's never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I fully endorse that. Yeah, uh, Appreciate it, PSU hope Mish. That's true. Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, let's get to the, the main segment here, Kent, and before we get out of here. How many teams from the Big Ten will be in the NCAA tournament? All right, so if you go by the net rankings, I have them right here on the side. The Big 12 currently has the most projected teams with 10. The Big Ten has only five, even though they have the second highest uh, average net amongst their teams, which is which is weird to me. You would think, you know, having that high of a net average, you have more, but that's just the way it goes. The SEC has seven. ACC has five. The Big East has four, Pac-12 has three, and then the Mountain West, stupid Mountain West. I can't stand the Mountain West. Uh, they have six projected right now, even though their average net rating is outside 100 because they just have a whole bunch of cupcakes that you beat up on. Um, they apparently have six. So, uh, Kit, do you agree with this, that it's going to be five teams? I can tell you the five really fast as I pull it up on my iPad. It is... Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Nebraska. They are saying that Northwestern will be left out. What do you think? No, I don't agree with that. I I just listed them um, right before we started the show, and I had my five as Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Now, was that before Michigan State lost tonight? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So these are all maybe- numbers from this morning. Okay, so yeah, I think that I think that Michigan State would be my sixth team at this moment, um, and Northwestern would be my fifth team at this moment. So I I don't agree with that per se, but I also think that I agree with five right now at this very moment. Like gun to my head, I agree with five. 
but Northwestern is the fifth and Michigan State is out, in my opinion. Um, and if it is going to be six, then Michigan State is the sixth team. And honestly, I, I've said this for a few weeks now. I don't fully think that they deserve it, but I just know that they're going to get it based on the history of their program. And Tom Izzo always gets the nod. They're playing Purdue next, by the way. And then they only have two more games. And one of them is on the road still. I'm not super convinced they're going to beat Indiana on the road. And they also still play Northwestern. So that Northwestern game is going to be big, uh, sandwiched in between uh, Purdue and, uh, who did I just say, Indiana. So that'll be a big game, I think, with both those teams kind of, I guess, on the bubble. But I feel like Northwestern has done more this year. Am I crazy to say that? They beat Purdue. Yeah, no, I think that uh, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. I think that Chicago State loss really hurt Northwestern is bringing their net rating down. Uh, Northwestern, their biggest problem is their net rating and their Ken Palm are rather low just because they they have had so – when, when Northwestern loses, they typically do not win in very good – fashion uh or they yeah they they typically lose in in bad fashion they lost to chicago state which was bad uh the mississippi state loss earlier in the season didn't look as good but they are technically a quad one now but uh they lost to illinois 96 to 66 i mean there's not very many like one score games in here Rutgers was a one score game that was that was a three points there so but that's the part that net does that I don't really agree with is how much emphasis they put into margin of victory. And so net is only one of them. So we'll see what they think of the other ones, but I know like Michigan state is the team that has like a super high net Ken Palm, all those things, even though they've been losing and then Northwestern, they're really low, even though uh, they do have a similar record in that they've, they've been winning about the same too. So it's an interesting thing. I think Michigan state will probably end up getting in. I don't think they deserve it. I think that they should probably not be in, but at the end of the day, they're going to be on the bubble. And I think when the the committee looks at Michigan state, they're going to see Tom Izzo and say, we have to put them in. Right. Is it called a committee? Are we going to do whatever this they are. college football playoff thing again? I don't know. Whatever they are. Seems like a committee. Are they going to leave Northwestern out because one of their best players is hurt like the college football playoff committee did to Florida State? Is that what we're going to be dealing with right now? Also, I love Dave's comment right here. I've been trying to read some of these comments throughout the show, but he said, uh, I th- you're probably going to pull it up, but he said the problem yeah. with Northwestern is everyone is. thinks North- they're Northwestern. It's Northwestern. So they can't be that good. And that's totally true. Like everyone just sees that name. If you just blindly like said, all right, who's who deserves to be in? Is it Northwestern or is it Michigan State? Everyone's like, oh, my God, Tom Izzo, Michigan State. We got to put them in like. But I mean, Northwestern has been better than them most of the season. Right. So I, I hate that. I hate that brand recognition, like kind of gives some teams the nod over another team. I think that Northwestern totally deserves it. I want to see, maybe I'm being selfish. I would rather see Boo Booey in uh, the NCAA tournament than uh, watch AJ Hogar like try to drag a team up and down the court and brick threes at the end of games against teams that they should be beating. That's just me personally. I'm sorry. I like Matthew Nicholson. I think he's a decent center. I don't want to see Xavier Booker in the NCAA tournament playing three minutes. Sorry, I don't want to see that. I like Northwestern better, and I'm I'm sorry. I think they deserve it, and uh, I hope that they get in over Michigan State. If that's what it comes down to, obviously that's not going to be the case. I don't think it's going to like be one or the other, but uh, I would much rather see Northwestern in for sure. Yeah. 
Just put Northwestern in a playing game because I can almost guarantee you that Northwestern is going to be able to have one of those runs where they're in the playing game and they get to like the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or something like that. Uh, Now, could they lose lose in the first game in the playing game? Maybe. That could also happen. (laughs) However... Uh, however, I just, I love this Northwestern team, even without Ty Berry. I just, I think there is such a spark to this team and yeah. they're able to, I don't know the best word for it, but they're just, they're able to make plays when it means something the most. There, there is something that they do about playing up to the team that they're playing. Look at what they've done against Purdue and other teams this season. Like I, I, I am just. I really, really like Northwestern. <laughs> what to see them in? I don't know if I have every like stat to go with it, but part of me is just like, if you watch this Northwestern team, this is a team that's going to do something special in the tournament. And I want Boo Booey to get some some recognition nationally. Yes, he's gotten like awards and stuff like that. But I look at some of these guys, and if Boo Booey makes it in the tournament and goes on a run, everybody in the nation will know his name, and he'll be on every TikTok and everything like that. He's going to be super popular. So who said that they're? Because I'm I'm actually kind of concerned about this now because I thought I thought Northwestern was a lock. Is this the CBB analytics like net rankings are saying that Northwestern is not in as of this morning? Then right? Uh, hold on, we got to address Michael Hogg here because Michael's second helping me out. Jr. I'm going to start teeing people up for not liking and subscribing to the channel. Twenty six in the stream and only two <laughs> is unacceptable. I completely agree, Michael. Yes, please do like and subscribe, everybody. We don't pander for those often, but uh, if you are so inclined to make one extra click in your life, we would appreciate that. That'd All right, Kent, what were you? What would you ask again? I'm sorry. I would say it's so you're you're saying from CBB analytics, like their net rankings or the net rankings is saying that Northwestern's out at this moment then because now yes, I'm but, getting concerned. Yeah, the net uh, the net doesn't come from CBB analytics. The net. Is, no, I know. I'm just saying like that's yeah. that's where you got that from, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's from net rankings. Uh, so te- the, the projection. That, I'm sorry. Let me be more yeah. clear. The projection of five came from CBB or from the net rankings from that from the net. Rankings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that the net rankings do it is it's like a certain benchmark. I forget exactly what the number is, but there's a certain benchmark that like typically, I think it's 45 actually. Typically most teams or no 35. No, it's 45 because Nebraska is 41. Typically most teams who are 45 or higher get into the tournament. I think there's been like every year there's like one or two who are the top 45 that don't make it because most of those 45 either get an auto bid or win their conference tournament. And so there's always like one or two in the top 45 that don't get it. And then like one or two outside of the top 45 that do get it right now. Northwestern sits at 53. So unless Northwestern can make some kind of run to get into the top 45, they are not going to be projected by the net rankings to get in to the tournament but again like i said the net rankings also don't like northwestern because when they've lost they've lost pretty bad this year uh and some of their losses like chicago state uh have not been favorable for the net rankings i i don't hate the net rankings and i do think that margin of victory should play some factor in it but when we're comparing them to michigan state i mean they're 10 and 6 in the conference like what are we talking about right now like i think that they're like Technically, they're in third place in the conference, fourth place right now. They're a double by Big Ten team, and we're gonna have to like cape for them to get into the uh, the big dance. I just don't understand that. Like, I I'm actually kind of surprised by that. I thought they were a lock, so uh, I'm hoping yeah. that and they have more. They have more quad one wins than Michigan State too. That's the crazy thing. Michigan State only has three quad one wins this season, only three. So, like, I think Ohio State has three. Rutgers has three. 
I think Maryland used to have three, but I think they dropped one. So they're at two now or something like that. But like there are teams in the bottom. Michigan has three. I, I just remember that Michigan has three. So like <laughs> there are teams that are at the bottom of the conference that have just as many quad one wins as Michigan state, but Michigan state gets the recognition because they played 11 quad one games instead of, you know, eight or nine, like most other teams. Hmm. Interesting. So. If Northwestern doesn't make the tournament, I will be boycotting one NCAA tournament game. That's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's going to be one that I'm not going to watch. I'm going to pick out a team and say that's where Northwestern should be, and I'm not going to watch that one game. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. watch the rest and, of it. Uh, I totally agree with Philip here. This has kind of been a hot take that's been going around, but the Big 12 cooked the books for their net rankings other than Kansas. Most of them didn't play a very tough non-conference. I totally agree with the new four teams that came into the Big 12. I don't think the Big 12 is nearly as good of a conference this year as they were last year. Uh, Obviously, Houston was a fantastic addition. However, UCF and Cincinnati, uh, those those teams dropped the conference down. And you're not playing the top-tier teams. uh, week in and week out like you were last year for the Big 12. So they're uh, they're also uh, hurting the net rankings a little bit uh, with the perception of it just because the way it is. At the end of the day, this is the hard part, is like no numbers are going to completely accurately tell you who should be in the tournament and who isn't. That's why I'm glad we have numbers to help, but I'm hoping the committee or whoever it is that chooses the NCAA tournament will realize that uh, – that these numbers are helpful, but they're not the end all be all. And that we'll have six teams in the tournament and Northwestern will get in. Heck just put Minnesota in. I don't care. They have one quad one win, but I don't care. Put them in. Well, the crazy thing is like uh, Rutgers is probably going to win the big 10 tournament. So that's going to be seven at that point. There we go. Yeah. We're, we'll be fine. We'll be right back up to seven or Michigan. No problem. Michigan or Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan for sure. That would really throw everything off. They're definitely not winning a singular game in that tournament. There's no shot. No, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, All right, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for watching tonight. We appreciate it. Big announcement for the show. So uh, Kent is not going to be with us for the Big Ten tournament uh, during that time. However, we have a big announcement. All right. Every night on the Big Ten tournament, I will be here live. Every single night. Go over the games of what happens. So when there are even just two Uh, Round one games with the 13 versus 12 and the 11 versus 14 seeds. We're going to recap those. That Wednesday, I'm going to try to bring on a bracketologist and talk about all this stuff a little bit more. He's going to be able to give his thoughts on what teams have to do in the tournament. We're going to recap those first two games, talk about that. And then each night, we will talk about the games that happen. And then Sunday night, Sunday night, there will obviously be the one Big Ten championship game. Me and whoever else is on here, I don't think Kent will be able to join us because you'll probably still be at the uh, at the stuff. But nine o'clock. I want to. I want to try to come on uh, Thursday night. It will be like the yeah. best night to come on because that's like after six games are over. Um, that'd be a fun night to try to come on from the hotel room. I'll see if I can get you get on there. That'd be fun. I'd like to. Awesome. Hey, cabin internet works. So hotel internet. Yeah, yeah the cabin there. was fine. Like I was surprised how good the cabin internet was. Hotel is uh, pretty nice, by the way. Shout out to Big Ten Wilson. Like hooked us up with a really nice hotel. We're gonna be in good. a nice spot in Minnesota. Good. I'm not gonna say where it's at. I don't want you guys come yeah. finding me. Don't, don't tell me. Yeah. Uh, 
And then that Sunday night, we are going to go through and we're going to select our brackets live. Whoever is with me, I don't know who's with me yet. It might just be me. Who knows? I might just select my bracket live and let all of you cook me and tell me how terrible my bracket is. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, nobody ever has a good bracket. Uh, right. But yeah, we're going to do that. It's going to be fun. I think this is going to be exciting. Guys, March Madness is my favorite time of the year uh, to be able to do this stuff. So the only problem is, and Kent, maybe you'll have some suggestion for me here. This is the problem in my life right now. I use my parents still like their cable to watch all of my basketball and everything like that. You know, I'm, I'm 30 next month, but I'm still using all my parents uh, cable and everything because that's just what my life is. Uh, however, they are canceling their cable on Ooh. March 5th. Ooh. Yeah. Oof. You should probably uh, lock into something before that, though. Like, if you're going to get a new provider, I highly suggest YouTube TV. That's what I use. I'm a big That's fan. That's what I was thinking. That's what I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, and if you are going to sign up for that, let me know. I'll shoot you like a little referencing. I get like $25, I think. That'd be awesome for me as well. Yeah. A little bit off my bill for the next month, for, especially in March. You know, that'd be a great time to get a little bit off my bill. But, uh, yeah, dude, I would lock into it before March just so you can get comfortable because this is a time where you need to be like nimble. You need to be moving channels quickly. You can't be like learning a new like interface here, man. You got to get comfortable with it before the tournament starts. So that's my suggestion. But also YouTube TV, they have the like uh, they have like the four screen split where you can yep. watch like multiple games at once. So yeah. that's also a big uh, selling point. My in-laws have YouTube TV, so whenever we go over there, uh, I see kind of how that operates and it looks best. Uh, I do have to address Z Paulson really fast. I live in my parents' basement, too, and I do not let them cancel the sports package. <laughs> okay. To be fair, I don't live in their basement. I have a family in my own house, okay? I have two small children that I care for, and uh, <laughs> I am sustainable on my own life, uh, and I can pay for YouTube TV myself. I've just never seen the reasoning to pay yeah. for YouTube TV myself when my parents have cable and they pay <laughs> hundreds of dollars for a month. I think my dad said their cable bill was like over $200 last month, which I would have switched sooner than him if I were him. But, you know, I don't I don't want to like big man you right now, but I, I my mom uses my login for cable. So like oh. kind of the opposite. Wow. Like, you know, so she we're supposed to take basement? care of our parents after we start, you know, getting uh, to this age. Yeah, that's good of you. Kent. Take care of the elderly. Good job. <laughs> uh my wife makes all the money uh, so it's not even my money it doesn't matter yeah that's all right that's all right all right everybody i stayed longer than i told my wife i would i told her i would only be on here for an hour and it's an hour and 25 minutes so i'm gonna go text my wife and tell her that i'm done and probably have her tell me that i should <laughs> not, not bad dude we be on the podcast is locked. no it's fine thanks everybody for watching looking forward to march madness we'll see you then have a good one